right? First Peter chapter 5, from verses 5 to 8, reading. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you, be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. May God bless the reading of his word. Let us all turn to God in prayer. Eternal God, our gracious, loving Heavenly Father, we come, Lord, giving you thanks for safe journeys to thy house and for seeing us through another week. Lord, we come asking for your mercies once again to cleanse us and wash us of all our sins. Lord, that we may be clean vessels before you. And Lord, may you work in every heart as we learn your word. May your Holy Spirit grant to us understanding of your word. And Lord, see ourselves in scriptures that we may apply these passages to ourselves. And Father, we pray above all that you would strengthen your church through the strengthening of your people, that your work in this world would be holy, would be pure, would be according to your will. So be in thy house to feed your children, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we continue in the study of humbling ourselves before God and then casting our cares upon him, casting our cares upon him. Now, last week, we learned this word, casting, all right? Casting, it is literally like someone taking um, the, the saddle of an animal, a horse or a donkey, for example, and throw it upon the animal of burden to the point where everything is placed on another, another animal, all right? And this animal will bear all the load. So here Peter says, well, in the midst of trials, and he understands, God understands, that in the midst of trials, we will be full of cares. And the Christian must learn as we go through this world to unburden, unburden our cares, unburden our cares. Onto whom? Onto God. Unburden our cares, casting all your cares upon Him. Onto God. Now, it does not mean that we have no, phys uh, no human responsibilities. We study that. The Christian... As we go through these trials, as we continue to do what is human responsibilities, as we continue to obey God, and as the burden increases, as the difficulties become more, um, more difficult and things are very fearful, fearful for us, then God says, you continue doing what you need to do, but, but don't carry the cares, the burdens, the anxieties on yourself. Leave that part to God. You cannot say, I leave the doing to God. God doesn't say that. But God says, leave the anxieties. Well, what will happen if I did this, if I did that? Leave the end results. Leave the consequences. Leave what you worry about to God. The outcome, leave it to God, all right? We just continue to obey God. So that is how the Christian must live as we go through all sorts of trials in this life. We may, may not, we may not be going through well, physical persecutions like them, although some of our missionaries are right at this very moment, but you will also face 
different kinds of challenges. Housewives, mothers, all right? You will face a load, a concern, so many things to care for, and yet there are so much troubles that are still ahead. Husbands, likewise, the things that you need to worry about for your family. Singles, you have many worries as well. What will happen in the future? What if this doesn't happen, that doesn't happen? So who's going to take care of me? All kinds of worries as we go through life. God says, the Christian must learn this thing, all right? And I hope that we, we have learned. Whatever you're going through now or you may go through soon, now, as long as it's not due to your sin, well, even if it's due to your sin, you repent and ask God to help. You learn to push aside, put those worries and anxieties away. A worrying Christian does not glorify God. A Christian that is constantly long-faced and um, um, full of anxiety and go into all sorts of um, turmoil does not glorify God because all, they was, all the unbelievers will say, see is, well, looks like your God can't help you. That's why you are worrying like that all the time. So casting our cares upon Christ, all right? Well, tonight, we'll learn some examples of how to do that, all right? In fact, um, now, we come now to question number one. Now, explain how we should cast our cares upon him and how it should help us in these areas. Now, these areas refer to last week. What are some of the areas that the Christian can have a lot of concerns in life, in, right? What are some areas? Financial <clears throat> concerns. <clears throat> Times are very difficult, all right? Will your job be secure? Now, these are worries. You still need to go to work. If you don't have a job, you still need to look for a job and go for interviews, right? You still need to do what is human responsibilities. Your child is very ill, right? Health problems. Now, or your own health problems, or something you're worried about after a, a checkup, right? What is it going to be like? So, financial, health. And then there are also problems in the family. You don't know how to solve this problem. It could be someone, it could be some people, it could be some situation. And you're, you are at wit's end. Well, we face all these kinds of issues. The place of work for those who are working. It could be politics. It could be um, insecurity of jobs. It could be, well, a difficult colleague. It could be a difficult boss. All this, as strangers and pilgrims, as we go through this world, we will face them. So, Hannah, the question is, how do you cast your cares in these areas upon God? We have the picture of someone casting onto um, um, another and this, this other will bear the full burden, all right? The full care. Now, pr practically, how do you think the Christian does that? How do you think the Christian does that? Because this part about casting, the main point is this. You must not carry any on yourself. You must leave worries and anxieties to Christ, all right? Now, that is the main point. But how, how is, what are some examples of casting? Because you might be going through some problems, and in fact, the reality is often when we are going through these trials, these worries, these problems, well, we often do not know what to do. They say, cast, cast. It's how to cast? Maybe ask, um, Shane, how would someone cast cares upon Christ? Commit everything to God in prayer, like the hymn, right? 
God says, well, we have a lot of cares. Well, the hymn writer also says, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Just now we sang um, at God's mercy seat, right? Casting our cares upon Christ means coming to Him in prayer, telling Him your concerns, your anxieties. So you talk to Christ about it. Now, there's a difference between murmuring and complaining and accusing God, all right? Because there is a very, um, I've mentioned many times, a very popular idea these days. Go to God and, and, um, and tell it to Him as it is. Whatever is in your heart, meaning to, for, for them, they mean that you're not happy. Just tell God, I'm really unhappy about this. And they say, God can take it, all right? Complain and accuse God. God can take it. Don't worry. God understands that you're very frustrated. Now, which parent will say, well, you're frustrated, child? Come, come, just let it all out on daddy or mommy. Don't worry, we understand and we can take it. We are adults. This is the insanity in Christianity today. Now, this is coming to God, kneeling before Him, pouring your heart out, and you read many of the Psalms. Lord, this thing is, I do not know what to do with my child, with my spouse, with, with the financial situation. Lord, I, I'm at a loss and I'm worried about things. But Lord, forgive me for worrying, right? Tell God that you are worried. Admit it and say, Lord, I want to learn to leave this with you as I, as I go ahead and do what I need to do. Grant me your grace to do what I need to do. But these worries, Lord, I just leave it in your hands. I leave it in your hands. Right? We have to learn to come to God in prayer. Usually, we don't turn to God when we are in trouble because we feel that we can do something and we want to do something. The first thing the Christian must do is learn. Learn to unburden your cares and leave it with God. Trust God in that. You know, once when I was, um, in, F when I was in FABC, we did a project, right? We went to um, interview some parents um, and, and talk to them. And um, now one of the parents said this, you know, we are so ashamed um, and this parent was sharing to me. We are so ashamed. I say, but what? They say, you know, my child, um, my child learned about prayer. And then my husband and I, we were talking about this difficult financial situation we are in. Right? We don't know what to do, but we didn't know she was listening. And then she just walked up and said, so daddy and mommy, don't worry. Don't worry. I'm going to my room now to pray and ask God for help. Don't worry. See, it was childlike faith, simple like that. The child, now, the thing is this, as parents, say, ah, it's easy for a child to, to be like that. We are the ones who have to carry the burden. Now, this passage must rebuke us. No, God says, no, you don't have to worry about that part. I am your God. I care for you. I will take care of that. So we often feel that we children don't have to worry. Well, they're happy all the time. Even we are facing so much problems, financial health, well, you look at them, oh, I wish we were like them. And we don't have to worry. You know, the children don't have a care in the world. Well, whose child are you? You are the child of the Almighty God who has the mighty hand, who has allowed these things to happen. And you are the child of the God who says He cares for you. The Christian, in reality, in putting all this together, realize. We are just like, we can be like our children. We can be like our nephew and nieces, all right, for those who are single. We can be like them, without a care in the world. 
But yes, they still have to do their homework. Yes, they still have to do their work. Yes, they have to still do things that you ask them to do. Yes, they have to go through all those with you. But notice one thing. They don't seem to worry. Why? Daddy and mommy will take care of that. I don't have to worry my next meal. I know daddy and mommy will provide. Now, that is exactly how God wants us to be. To cast all this, the cares part to Him. Do we trust God to really have the mighty hand? Now, if you look at verse 6, right? Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Do we believe in that? Verse 7, casting your care upon Him, for He careth for you. Two things to emphasize to you and I. Just like your child does not worry because he knows that you will take care of things as he's always known and experienced. Well, the child just simply says, don't worry, I will go and pray. And the parents say they felt so rebuked. They didn't think to pray. They just kept thinking, what's the solution? What should we do? Maybe we try this, maybe we try that. But the child's first reaction is, pray. Right? Casting our cares upon God is a very practical thing um, with regards to prayer. Now, in fact, the more we worry, the more we should be found in prayer. When we don't trust God, we don't pray. When you don't trust that God cares, the reason why you don't ask someone for help is because you know that the person don't care. What's the point? So when God says, please cast your burden upon me, this is an invitation, cast it upon me, right? Not, not cast your accusations and uh, murmurings and complainings to him. Cast your cares, cast your cares. Now, but in prayer, it takes faith, right? Faith. To cast our cares upon God. Yes, you can go to him in faith, in prayer, but you must go to Him in faith. You can take the, the burden, all right, and walk to the animal, all right? Now, I'm not saying God is a donkey, right? You walk to the, the animal of burden. Unless you believe that the animal of burden can carry the load and will help you carry the load, you are going to find other means, right? So when God says, cast your care upon me, for I care for you and I have a mighty hand, you say, have faith in me. Children have faith in their parents because they keep, they just know the parents are parents. They will take care of things for me, all right? I don't have to worry whether I'll get, I have school fees. I don't have to worry that I have food on the table because they believe in the parents, their faith in the parents, all right? So faith, faith, faith is part of the casting. Faith is part of the casting. So when you cast something, you have two hands. One hand is about prayer. The other hand is faith. Then two hands together, you cast and trust in the Lord. Now, but then, what are you having faith in? What are you having? How can you have faith? Maybe I ask someone, all right? Um, Thomas, how can you have increased faith? All right, when you know, well, when you know that in your heart you trust in the Lord and you acknowledge Him, okay, then you face a difficult problem. But this problem is something that is very, very beyond your experience at work or at home. So tremendous, so great. And you don't know what to do. 
how to have faith. Do the right thing. Okay, I just keep doing the right thing. Well, that's a good thing to, to remember. But how does faith increase, Caleb? You're going to face a lot of things ahead of you. How to make sure that you're always growing in faith and prepared for those things? Know God's Word. What's the proof of that? Because God says, Romans 10, 17, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. The Word of God. You have to keep growing in the Word of God. You see, the thing is this. When we are in trouble... Let me ask you, honestly, when you are full of, of um, timelines to meet at work, problems that you don't know how to solve, family facing so much turmoil, and then you, you are lacking in finances. Now, when you have all these things, now the reality is most of us, most Christian, the first thing to go is actually prayer and studying the Word. Do you agree? Those are usually things that I have no time for this already. No time to take FVBC course. No time to, to go for fellowship and study God's word. No time. Maybe I attend some. But I think Adelphos, Adelphi or, or husbands, I think those I can skip. Right? Or mother's fellowship. I think I skip those. Right? But you realize one thing. In order to really trust God and say, Lord, I leave this with you. One of the reasons why we often don't have that faith to trust God is because we don't hear enough of the Word, whether it's your own quiet time. And of course, that is the first to go. When you have, when you've, when, when, when you are, before you start working, well, you do your quiet time. Then you start working after graduation. They say, oh, you know, this is real life, you know, life and death. Maybe I should just read the Bible, my quiet time, once a week. That's, that's about it. That's all the time I have. I must wake up early. I must prepare for work and all that. Well, when you have, when you get first get married, well, reading the Bible together. Once you have children, well, I think now we don't have so much time for that. You see, the first thing to go is usually the Word. The Word. And prayer. I think we shorten all this, right? So much things to do. To cast your cares upon God requires both of these together. In fact, afterwards, we'll see more of it, right? Faith comes by hearing. When you are in trouble, when you are facing difficulties, and difficulties will increase and will come. Now, unless you are constantly growing in the Word, when the situation comes, immediately the Word will tell you what to do, right? So, Thomas, you said, well, do the right thing, do the right thing. There are many Christians who say, do the right thing. But when the time comes... The right thing is to compromise. They, they don't know. I must not lie. I must not um, um, compromise. I must not do this. I must not do that. They, they don't know. All right? Do the right thing to them is get a job. We don't have money. What's the right thing to do? Get a job. Whatever job, doesn't matter. All right? Unless you're constantly studying the Word. Then you say, even get a job. What job? Go get some help. What help? What kind of help, right? Now, when we begin to know the Word, the more you know the Word, the more you will believe that God cares for you. 
Because as you see how God works, and the deeper your theology and your doctrines are, the more sure you are of God's mighty hand and His love. Now, until you understand what it takes for what it took for Christ to save you, you will always wonder, you will always doubt. Right? So, doctrines, theology, you when you're going through difficulties, you have to make all the more sure you are doing your quiet time, you are doing your FEBC courses, you are coming to church to learn God's word every time. You, you, you do that. Your faith is increasing without you knowing. All right? So, yes, you cannot cast your care upon God and really, really be able to do that unless you pray and you have faith in God. Right? So, if you ever ask, now, why is it, Pastor, you say it's like so easy. Cast, 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 but it doesn't happen. I still worry all day long. Well, the problem is you don't bring it to God. You need to cast it upon Him. But you don't have faith. You don't trust in Him. That is the whole problem. And because your knowledge of Him is so weak. So now, that is what we need to keep remembering. Now, for example, Romans 8.28. All things work together, right? For good. To them that love God. Now, there are many times people share with you, right? With me as well. You know, I thank God that I went for the Bible study. Or oh, I thank God for that day, that night's FABC course. Just when I needed it, then we covered Romans 8.28 or whatever other verses. Exactly what is needed for you at that time. Many of them say, you know, Romans 8.28 is something that I memorize, that I teach my children, or I go through. It's so, it's, I just see it all the time. But it was nothing like that time when I heard it read in church or in my quiet time. You see, when you cast your cares upon God, that is how God takes it from you. How does God take it from you? You cast, but you hold on to it. When you cast and then His Word comes to you, you find total relief from your shoulders. Right? So that is a practical picture of what it is to cast, to cast your cares upon Him. Now, I just want us to remember this. When we are in difficulties and in trouble, we have to remember our temptation is to reduce prayer and to do more things. Our temptation is to... Is to, um, is to um, take things upon ourselves rather than I still must calm myself down. I must study the Word. I must sit down and read the Word of God. And as I read, I will, I will know the burdens being lifted. All right? So that is experiential faith as you go through this casting upon Him. Now then we come to the second question now. How do I know if I am insubmissive or has not cast my cares upon him? All right, I think this is very similar to last week's question. I just um, I realized that um, just before I came. Now, how, last week I said, well, what are the signs that we, we would not submit to what he ordained for us and we continue to worry instead of casting our cares upon him? Now, last week we saw, well, one of the examples is we murmur and complain. Right? We keep murmuring and complaining. Um, we... Um, we take things into our own hands, 
Because instead of casting upon Christ, in our human responsibility, we do what is sinful, right? So we take things into, uh, upon ourselves, into our own hands. Now, some example is this. There are people that would leave sound churches. They leave sound churches to join anything or not to have a church. Why? Because I want to find a life partner. I can't find it in this church. So they just leave. They take things into their own hands. Instead of saying, Lord, I will just continue doing what is right, living according to your word. And if you want me to get married, it will happen. I don't have to go to an unsound church. So you take things into your own hands. Or whether it is, well, whatever from your problems, financial problems, um, and so on. Now, maybe I'll add two more, all right? The other one is this. We know that we have not cast our cares upon him um, and we are continuing to be insubmissive is when, for example, you begin to lie a little bit here and there. You apply for your PR, you know, if I don't say this or if I say, say this half-truth or full, full lie, well, it will not look good. I may not get my PR. Right? Instead of saying, Lord, I keep worrying that I don't get my PR. I keep worrying that this and that. Lord, I leave it with you and I do what is right. We begin to say, well, you know, we have to be practical. Another one is, um, well, we don't take solace and comfort. We don't take solace and comfort in God. What do I mean? Maybe we suffer some loss or some bad news that we received. And then we wallow in um, sadness, um, self-pity, and we go on and on and on. Instead of finding comfort in Christ, um, finding joy in returning to him, his side. Now, this is something that can happen to you and I, and I'm sure you've known of that in your own life. We've seen that in many churches. A Christian can walk close to God and everything is fine. And then, for example, told that, well, sorry you have cancer and um, your time is limited on earth. Um, well, a few times, even um, um, in our church, people who uh, face some of this bad news or, or maybe loss of a loved ones, your child or your spouse or your parent or your grandparent. Now, some people can go spiraling down. But when God says, cast your cares upon me, your heart breaks, your worries, your fears, um, your sadness, God says, cast it upon me. Find solace in me, with me. All right? Come to me. Leave it there with him. Otherwise, we won't carry on in life. All right? We will end up, well, missing worship, missing fellowship, missing Bible studies, missing um, uh, stopping to serve. And this is not good. So when God says, um, cast your cares upon me, 
That is how it must be. We carry on in life. Right? We move on. And all the while, yes, that pain may be in our heart, but we find our solace in Christ. That is how it should be. All right? So I think I just leave it as that. The Christians have to remember that because we will suffer some loss one way or another in time. All right? I've, I've no doubt. All right? Because your spouse may die before you. Your child may die before you. Your parent will die one day. Your grandparent will die one day. All, right? All this will happen. Sometimes when we counsel and the person says, you know, Pastor, I, I really can't take it. I really can't. My heart is so broken. And, and I don't understand why God allowed this to happen. All right? But before that, they can counsel people. Well, you know, people will die. People will age. People will force it. People will die. But when it happened to them, they just cannot accept it. I'm not talking about elderly people. I'm talking about young people as well. I just can't accept why God allowed this. Um, they, don't, they don't cast it upon Christ, all right? So these are dangerous. These are dangerous. Now, then we come to question number three. Then we come to question number three. Now, from the context, all right, from the context, what will happen if we do not cast our cares upon Christ? What do you think will happen from the context? Hmm. Maybe I'll ask, Howard, what will happen? Not sure. Okay, so what will happen? Well, we pass that, all right? Yes, you're right in that sense. We, we will not be humble, means, means we will not submit to him and therefore God will resist us. But here, we move on further to say, like, well, cast your cares upon him. Now, if, if you don't cast your cares upon him, what will happen? Uh, maybe I try a Phyllis. We might get lost. Yes, we, we will just get lost inside ourselves, right? And we can't find our way. Um, yes, that's one of the things. Um, all right, last one. Uh, Richard? You fall into Satan's trap. How do you know that? Which verse? All right, very good. All right, so context. I read tonight to verse, verse 8. Now, notice how God puts it. Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Then he said, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. All right, in fact, you see the next part. He um, said, resist steadfast in faith, in the faith, knowing that the same affliction are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. So now, you begin to understand this context of what we like to quote. All right? Be sober, be vigilant, and, the, and our adversary, the devil, is a roaring lion. All right? Now, what is the context? We can fall. When you don't cast your cares upon Christ, 
you can be devoured by Satan. Please know that. That is why immediately after he said, cast your cares, he gave the commands. Now, both are command. Be sober. Be vigilant. Both are in the imperative. You must do this. And both must be done. Why? If you don't cast your cares upon Christ, now just now one of you said, you'll be lost, right? Satan will be watching. Satan knows you are going through difficulties. Satan knows you are very depressed and sad. Satan can see that. And when he sees your weakness, you seem to be lost. Instead of you seem to be growing in the Word, instead of you're still growing in Christ, you seem to be lost. And that is the time that he's going to pounce on you. Satan will watch. Are you casting your cares upon Christ or not? How are you going about your life? That is why I ask, what are some examples? We have to ask ourselves, are those examples in my life? Because if those are, Satan can see. From the context, Satan is a roaring lion. He will see your fears. He will see your worries. Now, when you fail, what will happen? Well, for one example is you will be paralyzed with fear. Paralyzed with fear. You see, when you don't cast your cares and then just move on and do what you need to do in life and leave the worries part out of your life, leave it to God to worry about that. When you don't do that, you'll be paralyzed, well, either with fear or with sadness, either one. Paralyzed means you stop, you just stop doing what you need to do. Now, many people, when they suffer loss, that's what happened. And then they spiral downwards. Because they get paralyzed, they stop going to church. That is where it begins. They stop having contacts, connection with fellowship, with people, Christians. Then they just feel like, I don't want to do anything. I don't want to exercise. I don't want to study. I don't want to go out. I don't want to do anything. That is the best time for Satan to get you. Now, please know how Satan works. All right, we'll study more of that, God willing, uh, in the weeks to come. But he will watch. Whether you are a worry what, whether you are in depression and worries all the time, he will watch. Let me ask you how lions um, seek out their prey. They watch for the weak ones. All right? That's what they do which is, and they always go for the young ones, right? Because they are weaker. They can't run as fast. They can't resist. Then what they do as they come towards the animal is they try to distract and separate, separate the animal, the prey, away from the, from the group. And he especially watches those that tend to be on their own. Right, you see a big group, see one stray out. Those are the ones he observes. God uses the word lion, all right, lion, to describe how it is. Now, you don't cast your cares upon, God, upon Christ. 
you are going to stop attending church. You, are, you will be the one that is straying. You are going to be the one that will be weaker instead of hearing, hearing, and increasing in faith. He knows that you're weakening. And he says that you don't do anything anymore. You don't even serve. Very often people say, my, my, my spouse is dead or my, my child is dead. I don't want to serve anymore, you know. I, I have no heart to serve. Ah, you see, you become paralyzed. Ah, that is when he will pounce on you. So understand, casting your cares, moving on, growing, is very important. Right? Like one of you rightly pointed out, otherwise you fall into the trap of Satan. That is exactly where he wants you to be. Don't cast your care. Take it upon yourself. Compromise. Sin. Now, next one. Well, yes, you will, you will dishonor God. Well, um, let me see. Yeah. What, from the context, you will dishonor God sooner or later. Sooner or later, when you don't cast your cares upon Christ, you will compromise. You will do what is sinful in order, well, to relieve yourself temporarily even. You know, when we are in trouble, in difficulty, all we want is to be relieved of the anxiety and the worry. We want to get out of the tricky situation. And then, what will, what will we do? If this will remove the worry from me that I don't get my PR, that I don't get, well, for, for some of our missionaries, if I don't get arrested, all right, or if I don't, um, uh, or, or this will help me immediately to, to do better at my workplace, but it's a compromise. I will secure this job, but it will be a compromise, uh, doing something that is sinful. You see, it relieves your worries immediately. That is the problem. God says, the temptation of relieving yourself of the worry by doing something is so strong. You need to leave that worry to me. Because if you carry that, you will just find things to relieve it as soon as possible. We want to be in control. We want the relief now. That is when we will fall into Satan's trap. Right? So worries are very bad for us. Because we want to be relieved of it and we will sin unless we live it with God. Now then, we move, all right? Question number four. Now, are trials from Satan or God? I'll, ask, I'll explain why I ask this question. Are trials from Satan or from God? Now, I want to hear it from yourself. Um, Edward. From God. How do you know? Okay, it's, it's from God. But how do you know from scriptures that it is not from Satan? Right? Terrible things happen at your workplace or, 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 or in your personal life. How do you know it's from God? Isn't Satan the one who wants to do all these bad things to you? Alright, so one we learn, right? Humble yourself under his mighty hand. We learned mighty, one of the meaning is his sovereignty. Not just his power, but his sovereignty. Alright? 
He's ruler over all. He's in absolute control. All right? But what is the scriptural um, um, foundation of that? Uh, Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Lowe. All right, we learn from the account from Job. God, Satan has to ask for permission. Now, I want us to read this for ourselves, right? Please turn to Job chapter 1. All right? Now, here is the sovereignty of God, all right? Shown very clearly. Job chapter 1, right? So, it's familiar, but you need to read this because it's going to be related to the names that God gave to Satan. Okay, now let us um, read verses 9 to 11, right? Nine, 9 to 12, 9 to 12 reading. Then Satan answered the Lord and said, Doth Job fear God for naught? Hast not thou made an hedge about him, and about this house, and about all that he hath on every side? Thou hast blessed the work of his hands, and his substance is increased in the land. But put forth thine hand now, and touch all that he hath, and he will curse thee to thy face. And the Lord said unto Satan, Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Only upon himself put not forth thine hand. So Satan went forth from the presence of the Lord. Now here, Satan told God, God, come on, you know, um, Satan is only fearing you because there is a reason for it. What's the reason? Because you protect him. Just remove your protection and see whether he will continue to fear you and honor you and obey you. Now, he made the accusation, all right? Now, he, now when, and we know the rest of the story. He went forth and animals died, children died, all sorts of um, properties gone. All sorts of calamities. Were those calamities from whom? Now, if you read carefully, verse 12. Behold, all that he hath is in thy power. Right? So Satan did work. Satan had the power to do these things. But he had to ask permission from God. God is the one who sovereignly granted permission. All right? So yes, all things, even what these Christians were going through in persecution, losing loved ones, losing limbs, losing property. It's the same in, as in the case of Job. Same thing. Tested for their faith. Will they deny Christ or not? Will they continue to fear and honor Christ or not, right? Same situation. So yes, all trials are allowed by God. Hence, God say, humble yourself under His mighty hand. He sovereignly allowed it. Have that scene in heaven in your mind. And then submit to the fact that God allowed it. Whatever it is. And when you're going through it, God says, now this is the part that, that I hope that we realize. Now God is not a God that is, well, just says, you obey me, well, it's, I'm sovereign, I take anything I want, all right? And like Satan, do anything to you. Haha, I don't care. No. You see, in this passage, in, in 1 Peter, we learn. If you when, you read first, when you read Job and you say, wow, how come God is like that? God allowed these things to happen to Job, you know, just to prove a point? That's not, wow, this is not a very caring God, right? But in 
1 Peter chapter 5, we learn one thing about God. God says, yes, I sovereignly allow this by my mighty hand. You submit to it, and I don't care for you. No, you submit to it. I will care for you. You submit to it, and you cast all your cares upon me. When you see your losses, when you see your children die, when you see your loved one die, when you see these health problems that occur to you that is beyond imagination, yes, I allowed it. Yes, Satan definitely wants to cause pain in your life. That's for sure, without a doubt. That is why he says, God says, he is a roaring lion wanting to devour you. He wants to cause you pain, not just that. He wants to destroy you. Satan always wants that. So the question is, are all trials from Satan? Well, Satan always wants that. God, can I do this to him? God, can I do this to the family? God, can I do this? Satan always wants to do that. But God sovereignly allows that. And God says, I care for you. This thing, all things work together for good. There is a spiritual good for you. There is a glory to me. You humble yourself. I won't let these things that Satan, which I allow Satan to do to you, to kill you. I will take care of the situation. You don't compromise. You don't sin. You don't dishonor me. This is, I, I care for you in, infinitely a lot. Trust me. Now, this is the God that says, submit your hand to my, submit yourself to my mighty hand. I care for you beyond your imagination, beyond even what you realize, I care for you, right? So, now this is important to learn. God is your caring saviour. Look at verse 8. Satan is, the, is your vicious enemy. The word ever says enemy. Please know the difference. So when God says, I care for you, but Satan is your vicious enemy. Learn to trust me. Don't say, don't, don't listen to him, in other words. Learn to trust me instead. Now, now we learn why God chooses Satan's names. Look at verse, verse 8. Now, God says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. All right? Now, the next question is, what does your adversary, the devil, mean? Anyone want to try? Your adversary, the devil. Actually, you learned these words, I believe, in prayer meeting before. Devil is diabolos. Actually, we just learned it in our past series. Diabolos. All right? Devil is diabolos. Um, let's see. Um, Mabel, can you remember what does diabolos mean? No. Say again. Egoistic, no. Um, Michelle? Diabolos. Huh? Diabolical, so it's double. Satan is double. Double in what? Lies? Yes, all right. One of it is, has to do with lying, all right? Lying. Um, try last person, Ellen. Say again. Slanderer, excellent. All right. Now this word simply means slanderer. All right. Diabolical slanderer, double tongue. All right. Um, um, lies, tells lies. So, all right. So the devil, 
Now let's, let's, okay, let's, since we are on devil, we talk about devil first. So devil means false accuser. False accuser. False means lying, someone who lies. Now, lying is the devil's specialty. Please know that. He's called the father of lies. The first lie is told by Satan in this world. Please know that. That is the first lie, all right? And, and he lied to Eve, deceived Eve, in other words. So he's the father of lies. Now, he is a very believable and convincing liar. Please know that. Now, I, I'm saying all this, please pay attention because there's a reason why God chose these names. has to do with the verse before as well, casting our cares. Now, so he is a very convincing and very effective liar to you. Please know that. So God says he is the devil. He don't want to call him Satan here. He wants to call him the devil, all right? Diabolical means false accuser. Now, not only that, he will twist truths. That's why he's double tongue. He is so good at twisting truths and turning them into lies to you. Now, when you begin to understand this is Satan, and when you go to trials, you need to be aware of it. Now, the next one. Now, he will raise and spew forth accusations. Just now we read, right, in heaven. Job, obey you, fear you, not for no reason, right? He accused Job. The book of Revelations tell us, now it says, Revelation 12, 10, let me read to you. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ for the accuser of our brethren. Another name for, for, for devil. The accuser of the brethren is cast down, which accused them before God day and night. So always remember that is what Satan does day and night. He just accuses, accuses, accuses. And he's very good at it, right? Very good at it. Now, so that is one thing. Then the next one, what is adversary? Adversary. Adversary means enemy. Someone who is against you. And is also accuser. Now, in fact, the word is often used as someone takes someone to court because their intention is to sue this person, accuse this person, and attack this person. Enemies, all right? Enemies. So, so God uses this term. Now, look at your Bibles. Now, he says, please cast your cares upon God. Now, we study with sober and vigilant in a moment. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion. But he wants to say your adversary, the devil. Why do you think God wants to say your accuser, your enemy, the one who is very good at accusing, very effective at twisting the truth, very convincing accuser that is your, that is who he is to you. Why do you think God wants to use both of these words to make us, um, to awake us? Why do you think so? I'm not sure whether you're following. Um, I hope you're following. Uh, Kelvin, why do you think so? God just said, cast your cares upon me, for I care for you. And then now he says, he gives us Satan's character. Yeah. 
Say again, tell us what? Okay, to tell us not to fall into Satan's trap. What would Satan's trap be from these names given? We think that we are doing the right thing. No, think of his name. All right, last one, Vincent. He will character assassinate. Who? Character assassinate the victim. Still not getting it. All right, very last one, Claude. Oh, oh Esther, you were smiling. Very good. Come on, guys. He, God just said, cast your care. Look at the Bibles. Now, he said, cast your cares upon him, for he careth for you. Then he said, but you need to think, all right? So, your mind needs to be clear because your adversary, because the accuser, the false accuser. What is he trying to say? You need to be aware of this. Satan will keep accusing that God doesn't care for you. Why pray? Why have faith in God? He doesn't care for you. Why do many Christians not pray? Because we really wonder if God really cares for us. When something terrible happens, it's very painful to hear. And I hope that none of us say this, myself included. When we reach a point of great loss, it's very painful to hear a child of God say, I cannot understand, I cannot accept why God allowed this. I cannot. What are we saying? We have just fallen into the trap of Satan that God doesn't love you. God doesn't care. That is why he allowed this to happen in your life, in your family, and to you. That is why we, we just say another way, I, I just cannot understand. Well, we cannot understand if we mean, well, I accept is different. But most of the time, I cannot understand and I cannot accept it. I just cannot. That's why they go into this spiral downwards. Why pray to God? I'm angry at God. God, how can you let this happen? Well, I give you maybe a list of things, for example, that um, we can apply, well, later on, well, later on, right? When we come back. Satan will keep making you doubt the care of God, number one. Now, what else do you think he will make you doubt, Eugene? Always go to context, all right? I know many things, but context. Yenwei, what else will he make you doubt, Yenwei? Say again. So which verse? Mighty hand. God is not able to help you. You see, the two things that God says, now please humble yourself under the mighty hand, my mighty hand. I'm sovereign and I'm powerful. All right? Number one. Number two, he said, then cast your cares upon you. I care for you. Two things. These are the two things, at least from context. All right? Amongst many other things. But from this context, Satan will make you doubt God. He will come to you just like he will go to God to accuse you. He will come to you to accuse God in front of you. God can't help you in this situation. You better do something. You better act. 
Stop praying. You've prayed for months already, right? Nothing happened, right? I don't think God can help you. You better, well, compromise or sin or whatever to get that job or to, um, to disobey God in something just to get it, just to, just to keep going on in it. Now, recently, I had to counsel someone. This person took a very strong stand, all right? Wonderful, was a great encouragement to, to many Christians, to me. And then some changes in life. And then this person began to say, you know, I think I need, need to have this or do that. Um, yes, it was, it was a very difficult situation, all right? Very, very difficult um, for anyone to be in that situation. Um, but you see, that's the thing. And I hope we are careful because this will happen to any of us, me, you, anyone. When we are in a situation of great trouble, right, we can easily forget. God has delivered me before. I took that sign, God helped me. Or whether it's your family, you did the right thing and, and you suffered and God helped you. Or whether it's a child situation or whatever it is, all right, health situation, God helped you. But the next trial that comes, it is very easy to forget. And they say, I think I need to do this. We, we literally say, God, I don't think in this situation your mighty hand can deliver me. So I need to do this. I need to choose this route. There's, if not, this and that will happen. All sorts of fears will occur in our minds. Right? So I help, I try to ask the person, now the law has delivered you. That was so difficult. I mean, Really, now you need to apply the same thing in this situation and say, God is able to. Don't forget that. All right? So we can go through that. Um, sometimes we say, well, by faith, then the next round, we forget. Now, so, yes, he will make you doubt these two things, these two things. Now, then we come to learn the next part, all right? We come to learn now what is um, what's the next question question number six right question number six so remember he will accuse god to you now question number six we learn the words first then we apply it the next time we come back now what is the next one be sober all right be sober now what is be sober now if you know that satan is like that god says be sober now be sober means to have a calm and clear mind a calm clear mind that is be sober now it is also to be in control in full control of your thoughts full control of your emotions full control of your attitude full control of your responses now this is the meaning of sober all right now this word is often used to describe the opposite, someone who is not sober means someone who is drunk with wine. Okay, often associated with being drunk with wine. Someone who is drunk on alcoholic beverage, what will happen? Their mind is not clear. Um, they, they are definitely not, not um, in control of, of their emotions, their thoughts, their responses. Their mind may think one thing, their body does another. Their body wants to do something, but the mind doesn't, doesn't work. In conjunction, right? 
Uh, that is the kind of picture. So when God says be, in, be sober, means you are, you are so in control of your thinking um, and your emotions. Your emotions may go one way and say, I'm pulling it back. I'm in full control. My mind wants to think about these fears. I will control it. I will control it. All right? I will tell myself, stop thinking about that. Cast my cares on God. This kind of fears, this kind of what I think may happen, may, may not happen, I will control my thinking and say, leave it with God. I just continue to do what is needed. Now, that is, that is sober. Now, what is then the word be sober? Be vigilant. Be vigilant. Now, vigilant, as you all know, is from the word um, Gregoreo is where people call their children Gregory. Uh, watch now, watchful, watchful. Now, but this watchful is not um, a, a random watchful. Now, it is one who is very strict in what he gives his attention to. Means he he actually have a clear mind that is sober. Then he actually tells his mind vigilantly now what to think about. That is what it, that is the picture. And vigilant, obviously, is very careful, right? It has to do with watchful. So he is very alert, very conscious of what is going on. And he's able to recognize. Now, a vigilant soldier is one who, who looks very specifically for the enemy and he's able to recognize this is an enemy. So when God says, be sober, be vigilant, that is what he means. So in control of your thoughts and emotions, and that is not good enough. God says, be vigilant, always looking, is Satan... Now, what is one of the things to watch for? We've just learned, right? Uh, very quickly. Um, who else have been asked? Uh, Nathan. Nathan, what is one of the things, at least from this passage, that we need to control our thought about? And be vigilant about. Recognize what? What do you want to recognize from this passage? Okay, so God says, now be, be, be sober, be watchful, be vigilant. Now, what is one thing that you must be able to recognize? Vigilant means able to recognize something. What must you be able to recognize? Right, very present danger of Satan, very good. But specifically what? His accusations, right? His accusations. God doesn't care. God is unable to. If God is able to, I don't think he's going to do it for you, right? So, yes, recognize the presence of, of the wicked one, and especially about accusations. Well, that's one example. Now, then... Now, and I ask, now how do we apply this? How do we apply this? Now, both must be present. Look at this. Be sober, a command. Be vigilant, a command. Both must be present. How can you be sober? Sober is, is someone who is very clear in his thinking. You can't be clear in your thinking unless you are very, very um, um, filled with the Word of God. Clear thinking means not very clear like the world, huh? 
Clear means you are very clear how God thinks, what God wants you to do. So now, when a child of God goes through trials, the Word of God is all the more important because it will guide you in your thinking, spiritual knowledge, spiritual knowledge. Very often people are in trouble very, um, and all that, and you counsel, they just simply won't obey because they just can't see because they don't have the clarity of God's Word in their mind, all right? So now, that is one. That is the first application. Then the second application for vigilant. Now, then you must apply the knowledge. Apply the knowledge. That is why both are together. You can have a lot of clear thinking about God, but you don't want to apply it. You don't use it to recognize. When trouble comes and you explain, now God allowed this. No, I cannot accept that. But we already learned from the book of Job, God is in control. You have to apply it. Now then, what is the point of God bringing up the devil? What must our minds be very clear about? We must be very clear that everything that happens in our lives is a spiritual battle. Please know that. It's always a spiritual danger there. So they are going through things. It's very easy to say loss of property, loss of limbs, loss of loved ones, loss of freedom. It's very too easy to say, oh, you know, that thing happened that day, that thing happened, someone came. Ah, we can relate it to all very physical things. So we resort to a lot of just physical things to, re to resolve problems. No, God is saying, please know, please know, there is a spiritual attack going on. Satan wants to get you. Satan went to Christ for Peter. God says Satan wants to sift you. There is one picture that we are allowed to have a glimpse of what happens behind the sin. The other one in the Old Testament is we read, Job. Satan wants to get you. Please know that. So don't look at trials in life just as physical problems. Why did God allow this to happen? Why, why is my child like that? Why at birth this? And then why, if this thing didn't happen, that won't have happened. I would not have lost my job. You know, we relate a lot of things to just physical things. But God says, please know. Please know that Satan wants to get you. It's a spiritual. Look at all things in life through spiritual lenses, all right? Through the Word of God. In your family problems, health problems, financial problems, know that Satan wants you to fall. It's not as simple as making that decision because I have no choice. Now, why, when God allows this thing to happen, can you please turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10? 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Actually, I meant to cover this under question number four, right? First Corinthians chapter 10. First Corinthians chapter 10. Now let's read verse 13 together. Reading. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to men. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but 
will with the temptation also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. So God allows these things. Yes, Satan wants to get you. God allows this thing. And, but God says, I will not allow anything that you are not able to handle. I will always, if I allow that, I will always enable you to overcome it. I know what you cannot handle. Those things I will not allow Satan to do. All right? I know you. And whatever I allow, I will help you. For sure. For sure. You don't worry about that. So God is not a God who, is, um, who, who is, uh, um, wants you to suffer. But now I come back to this point. Don't look at a situation that you're in and say, uh, it's impossible unless I disobey God. If I don't have this thing, I don't have this job, I don't have that, I don't have this education, I don't have that. Now, these things may not be sinful, but if God says, now, it is not for you, and then trials come, always look at it as this is an area that God allowed, but Satan wants me to fall. I want to repeat this. The structure of this, this statement is a, God said, I, by my mighty hand, allowed it. And what I allow, I will care for you. And, I will, and make sure that you grow spiritually out of it. But please know that what I allow, that, that I will definitely help you come out of this strong. But Satan will want to use that to destroy you. Please know that. That is how God is describing it. And therefore, once you see it through spiritual eyes, and you are in a situation where you find that like it's no way out. I need to disobey God in order to solve this problem on a short-term or long-term basis. Look at it as a spiritual, with through spiritual eyes. When I obey God, huh, Thomas, you keep saying, just do what is right, just do it right. It's easy to say, it's good to say, and it's easy to say, but when the time comes, you have to remember, this is a spiritual battle. God will, if I do what is right, somehow, I can't see it now, I don't know how it will be, I can't imagine that this problem can be solved, but God said, I care for you. I allowed this calamity in your life or this problem in your family, I will help you. Don't distrust me. Satan will tell you not to trust me, not to obey me. Don't. Have your mind controlled, sober. Have your mind vigilant, means recognize this. Recognize it and obey me. If you don't, Satan will devour you. Please remember the rest of the verse. If you don't, what I meant for you to grow and it will guarantee to help you to grow, although you can't see how it will, is guaranteed. I care for you. I am the mighty God. It's guaranteed that you'll be helped, you will grow. But you don't trust me and you listen to the adversary who falsely accuse me and you go and take things into your hand and you disobey me, obey me. Satan is there to devour you. Satan wants to devour you. I am your friend. I want to help you to grow. You want to trust Satan, he will destroy you for sure. Somehow your life will go all right. You make the wrong choices, you will sin. You will fall deeper into sin. At work, at home, wherever it is. 
So when God says Satan is your adversary, uh, Satan is your adversary, and he is um, um, the devil, he chose very accurate words to wake us up. Learn to trust me. If not, you'll be devoured. All right, the next time we come back, we'll continue learning the rest of the verse. Let us turn to God.